Geek Vibes Nation presents Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How are you guys doing out there? This is another episode, uh, you know, of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Like I just said, we talk about um, this last week of wrestling. Uh, we got some bad news. Uh, I just wanted to make sure, Chris, did you hear that drop from Diamond Dallas Page, or was that waiting for 30 seconds for no reason? Oh, and uh, what was uh, the show, Chris, of course. <laughs> hey, how's it going, man? Uh, no, I did not. That was a 30-second lead-in time, but... Uh... You know, uncomfortable silences can be good. Oh, okay. Well, I apologize about that, guys. I thought I got the drop to work, but apparently I was just standing around waiting like an idiot. Uh, it happens a lot <laughs> in my life. But uh, either way, I, I guess we're getting a little bit humorous to talk about a subject that's uh, definitely very, very sad to both me and Chris. Uh, being a big fan of professional wrestling, whether it be WCW or WWF at the time, uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you knew about a man named Big Van Vader. Um, and he was one of those uh, heels that was so intimidating. His presence, I should say, was so intimidating that he actually scared me as a kid. Um, later, he would do episodes of Boy Meets World and be a part of that whole entire concept. I believe it was Topanga's dad or uncle, one or the other. Um, but Vader was around and a lot of stuff uh, wrestling-wise as far as being some of the biggest, some of the biggest competitors of his time he wrestled with. You know what I mean? WCW, you think about Ric Flair, you think about him and Sting, you think about him and Cactus Jack, um, Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan, right when he first got to WCW. WWF, you think about Bret Hart, you think about British Bulldog, you think about Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all those guys. And then even in Japan with, with Misawa and, and Kenta Kobashi and, 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 and Stan Hansen. And he was tag team partners with Bam Bam Bigelow, probably arguably the other greatest big guy of his era for their agility. Uh, two of them, especially I would say uh, Big Van Vader just really influenced a lot of guys of today to take it up a notch and start doing crazy stuff that beforehand you didn't see, whether it be jumping off the ropes, doing a moonsault, uh, power bombing, uh, poor Mick Foley um, on, onto the uh, cement ground and getting his eye knocked, uh, popped out by Stan Hansen in a brawl and yelling at him while they're still trying to re- have a wrestling match and freaking out about it at the same time. Um, Leon White was an amazing big man, and uh, Mick Foley said it the best. He is the best super heavyweight, I believe, uh, of his generation and maybe of all time. Uh, lots of people... You know, you can thank Vader for being an influence within their career. We we, we talk about influence because I'm obsessed with it a lot. But I think that with me, I, I forget about Vader. And, I mean, there probably wouldn't be – there definitely wouldn't be a Killian Dane. He made a post about it. Samoa Joe, uh, Kevin Owens, um, a lot of them, they thought of Vader as a everlasting concept of this huge force that was scary. And, you know, that's pretty powerful. So wanted to say rest in peace and uh, get a little bit of Chris's input on the whole entire, you know, passing of uh, Leon White, a.k.a. Big Van Vader. It's uh, very sad to hear the passing, obviously. My thoughts and prayers go out to his uh, friends and family, anyone who was close to him. Uh, my personal experience with Vader as a child was that I absolutely hated him because he was a very, very mean guy to sting. And that's how I remember him as a kid. 
Um, <laughs> simply his run in WCW between 1992 and, and there and, and 95 to 96, I guess, uh, before he went back to New Japan, um, renting those you know VHS tapes of Starcade and uh, you know Halloween Havocs from the video store when I was a kid, watching them you know with my my grandpa or my dad. Uh, really stand out in my mind, and, and uh, him just being such an intimidating force as a kid, just like seeing him, and then finding out later on that he's actually like a really nice guy when I had the opportunity to meet him. Um, it's it's sad. It's also sad knowing that basically two years ago in November he was told that he was only going to live two years. Um, so I've been trying to prepare for this for a long time, but it's still really really hard. Uh, Vader is one of like was is probably one of my favorite big heel like big guy heels. Uh, maybe Bruiser Brody's thrown in there, and, and uh, I guess Stan Hansen if you're going to go into more of the brawling realm. But I think you know the way Vader was able to move in the ring when he worked with someone like a Sting or a um, you know a Bret Hart for instance, or even like uh, someone a little bigger like Ron uh, Ron Simmons in WCW. Yes, yeah. it's, it's crazy to think you know, how damn good the guy was and what he was able to accomplish. And that's not even going into his New Japan career, which was, you know, pretty, pretty damn crazy uh, in itself from even more of the hardcore stuff that he did over there or just, you know, teaming with Bam Bam Bigelow as big, bad, and dangerous. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff in his career and early career. Uh, it's just really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, I think we definitely lost one hell of a wrestler in – from my account, meeting him, a pretty damn good guy. Uh, what I would say is, uh, you know, put him in the fucking Hall of Fame. It should have already been done. It's kind of disgusting that he's not there. Tend on a negative note, but uh, rest in peace, Van Vader. I'll take a sip of beer for you right now, man. Absolutely. And like we said, we we, we listed a bunch of his opponents. He's had a great, uh, great set of matches with lots of different people. That's the one thing that's good about Vader is that he could put on a great series of matches. Um, so, you know, whether it be, there's, there's definitely a list that you can, you guys can find online that's, you know, considered the best matches of his. But what I'm just trying to say is just go on uh, search on the network, you know, Vader, Sting, Vader, Catfish Jack, they'll all come there and you can literally go from the bottom and watch the feud as it goes. And I, I checked out a little bit of both of those guys and I watched a great uh, four way um, with, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who gets eliminated first, actually, out of the match. Undertaker, uh, Bret Hart, and himself for the title. Uh, And somehow he gets annihilated from the ring ring bell, and his eyes just smash the hell up, and people are freaking out, and Jim Ross is trying to play it cool because WWF was definitely a little more, not PG, if you will, but it was violent as hell, and uh, him and Undertaker were brawling. It was it was good stuff. So definitely check out his work if you haven't got a chance to. And um, yeah, unfortunately we had to report that. But uh, let's move on with some other news. Um, before we before we move all the way on, just one quick match rep, like one quick match thrown out. If you want to go see a great Vader match, what I think is one of the best strap matches of all time, um, Vader versus Sting at Super Bowl Brawl Three, yeah. um, where Vader. You know, it's a non-sanctioned match, so it's not for Vader's title, but it's just one hell of a good match between two great athletes. And it was also really great to uh, see Sting's post about Vader uh, earlier today on Twitter. So just want to throw that out there. If you're looking for a good Vader match, that would be, you know, 
probably in my top tier list, even going through his New Japan stuff. It's one of my all-time favorites, and his feud with Sting over those two years was was great. I mean, him and Ric Flair, Vader and Ric Flair made Sting into the icon in a lot of ways. They got him to where he needed to be to be as big as he I think was. he would say that. I definitely think Sting, I, 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 Sting I would, would say so. that for sure. Yep, and I think Foley praised him a lot for helping him out in his career. There's a lot of guys that definitely uh, praise Vader. Uh, rightfully so. I mean, the man did a lot for the business, and he could take a beating, and he could give a beating. And he was stiff, but apparently he was a very gentle giant. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, it sucks. You know, as, as me and uh, Chris get older, we, we see a lot of our heroes of professional wrestling uh, get older and older as well. And it's just kind of a reality check, I guess, with a lot of this type of stuff. So let's move on. It's not uh, that much more positive. Well, it's, it's more positive than this, but it's not a positive um, topic. But, uh, yeah, big cast fired, uh, Chris. Um, yeah, so apparently they just um, they announced, um, or uh, WWE did, they announced uh, that they basically let big cast go. And uh, uh, there's um, – Rumor and innuendo, if you will, uh, that this was because of a situation in where Big Cass wasn't happy that he had to lose to Daniel Bryan, apparently, at the last pay-per-view. We don't know if this is 100% true. It's just stuff that I'm hearing collectively through different outlets, if you know. Um, and he's been extremely loud, extremely boastful in the back. He kind of, um, what's his name? I think, I forgot what his name is. He was Nova back in ECW, but he works for WWE. And uh, a friend of his, is all he said, came back to visit WWE. And uh, Big Cass tried to be a hard ass and kick him out of the locker room and got put in his place. And apparently that was happening a lot. Him and Enzo, not just by themselves, but collectively were paying the ass and then by themselves after they didn't get along. So uh, just really, it, it, it does suck. You know, I, I don't think Big Cass was. The worst big guy. Um, I don't think he was graceful, but he wasn't, you know, meant to be. He had a pretty tough year, and uh, him and Enzo were extremely hot about a year ago. If you think about this, actually, maybe a little bit before that, uh, they were probably the third biggest merch seller in the company, maybe at one point, in, at least in the top five, I would say, for for a portion of time. Um, and now everything that happened to Enzo and how it involves Cass and then him tearing his ACL. And then Enzo recently ripping them apart, saying that he should have finished the match. What a freaking idiot, but we're not going to talk about him or his next hit that Chris was telling me about earlier before the show. Uh, whatever, Enzo. Um, but, yeah, Big Cass uh, also broke up with, um, with um, Carmella and, uh, you know, now has gotten let go of the company. Uh, I don't know whatever triggered it. A uh, lot of bad tension. The fact that he ignored, obviously, Vince McMahon's orders not to uh, further – go on with the little person after he gave him the big boot. He wasn't supposed to berate him, and he did. Um, yeah, just a lot of bad decision-making. Um, Chris, are you going to be sad to see uh, Mr. Cassidy um, leave the company? I, you know, I honestly thought he had potential, but he in a lot of ways reminded me of Tess, where he was pretty decent in the ring, definitely had the size. But I just never had a personal connection with him, and I didn't really see him as, like, a top-level guy. I thought he could have been a good mid-card worker. I thought he worked really well with Enzo and a tag team. Um, I think ha- ha- him having a manager would have helped a lot. Uh, but obviously, he's made some, some – he made a poor decision, uh, which is going against 
what Vince and the rest of the officials tell you to do. Point where that particular segment where he beat up the little person who was dressed like Daniel Bryan, right, uh, was actually edited out. Like they edited that out of all the shows after the fact. So if you watched it on Hulu, it was like edited out. Uh, apparently, you know, there's still heat from that. It's it's kind of one of those crazy things where once that thing got rolling, I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, I'm surprised he actually, you know, they finished the feud with Brian, I think, to the best of their ability, which is kind of why I guess it seemed a little rushed. But, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. Um, obviously, I you don't want to piss off your boss, especially if your boss is Vince McMahon and his one of his saying is sayings is just screaming you're fired. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if he was a if he was a little like if he was a little more over, maybe a top tier, more of a top tier guy, maybe that would have got swept under the rug. But being that it's you know big casts um, and they were booking him to make him look strong to begin with, kind of just made a dumb decision and he's fired. I you know the thing is is he can go work somewhere else. I think he could go show up in a TNA or you know do something else if he really wanted to. It's just whoever wants to take a uh, flyer on him. But, yeah, I'm not too sad or broken up about it. Yeah, me neither. Um, I wish the best of him. Um, I think that he will pursue wrestling, unlike Enzo, um, which, you know, like a lot of the stuff that we talked about with Enzo sucks in his direction, but I just think that he's kind of a shitty person, so I don't really care one way or the other. Cass, I mean, like like, like Chris said, I saw potential in him. I, I I think he could have been the next Kevin Nash, which I mean, is not. I don't want. I don't want to downgrade uh, Kevin Nash. Or how do I put this, uh, Chris? I'm in. A, I'm in a really bad hold here. Kevin Nash was good for his size, and he was really well known of dominating during his time period. That's exactly what I thought that Cass could do. Not saying that either one of them are in-ring technicians. There, that's the best way of putting it. Um, yeah, I mean, well, but yeah. the thing uh, I would give, you know, the thing about Kevin Nash is that he was pretty good on the mic. And had a you know yeah. a very unique look with the beard and, and you know his overall size, uh, and kind of his swagger. Like he had way more of a swagger to him. Big Cass was just kind of a big, like very much like Tess, uh, where you he's just a, he's a big guy, serviceable in the ring, no real promo ability that I ever saw, and didn't, like didn't carry himself end, with a yeah. he didn't carry himself with a swag like any kind of swagger. Like, there's nothing about Big Cass, like, or any of the moves that he really pulled, uh, like, pulled in the ring that really stood out to me. Like, like for instance, like, even a Baron Corbin, who I don't think is the most interesting person in the world, he has, like, some really great moves. Like, in, yep. and he moves really well in the ring. Like, he actually cares about it. And sometimes when you watch a Big Cass match, it just doesn't really feel like that. It feels like and uh, that's why I personally never connected with him. I don't think he was dangerous in the ring or, you know, a bad wrestler. No. He just, you know. He was dangerous he, himself, if anything. Yeah, so, like, not to crap on him, it's just like, yeah, I, to talk you out of that hole, while probably they're about the same level, like, skill-wise and ring-wise, Kevin Nash and, and Big Cass, Kevin Nash had swagger, was better on the mic, and uh, was with the right people at the right time, and, you know, he he has a pretty good wrestling mind um, overall with some of the yeah. matches. Not necessarily when he took over the booking, but the general direction of what him and Scott Hall did when they got to WCW and got with Eric Bischoff. So, um, just giving giving Nash some props in case he shows up and listens and he's like, "Fuck you guys." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, but Cat, I think Cass was getting a little bit on the mic towards the end. I think that he had probably the best singles match of his career at the last uh, pay per view at TLC. That we'll talk about it. 
you know, Daniel brought him to a great match. And, uh, yeah, it just potential that we could see in other places. I think Impact, I think that Don Callis could get a lot of good use out of him over at Impact. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's talk about another thing. Um, Chris, unfortunately, Sami Zayn, uh, he's been basically wrestling through an injury. Um, but he has to take uh, time off for both his knee and his shoulder. Uh, so he'll be – I'm assuming that's why they kind of, without really saying anything, kind of split him in KO to give him, like, you know, time to breathe and then Sammy time to go off and stuff like that. But uh, I, I, that sucks. Um, I really – I love Sammy Zane. I think that him – just like Shinsuke Nakamura, probably one of the best things that happened to both of them in the WWE was going heel, uh, which was not something that's normal. It's so weird how Vince can turn baby faces heels and heels baby faces, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. But uh, uh, such a Sammy's gone, but, you know, wanted to get rested up, get better, come back, make a splash. Uh, how do you feel about it? Well, I definitely want him to get healthy, and sometimes absence makes the, the heart grow fonder. Um, so maybe he comes back with a really big who knows. Uh, it also makes sense with what they did with the Bobby Lashley match, um, trying to get Bobby Lashley over, especially if Sami Zayn was on his way out. So I kind of it took away some of my hatred towards that feud a little bit, knowing the end goal was to get Sami Zayn a break to heal up. So hopefully the guy gets healthy. We see him back in a couple months. Um, I think it leaves a little bit of gap with Raw's mid-card and having just the solid performer that Sami Zayn is. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up and takes that role for some of these mid-card feuds. Um, but yeah, like hopefully he just gets healthy and uh, if he comes back the right way, it, you can turn him into a huge star. I still think there's potential there to either make Sami Zayn a huge heel or have a you know a really good feud against someone like a uh, Braun Strowman or, you know, a big powering guy. Cause I, I think, I think he definitely plays the underdog really well uh, when put in the right circumstances, you can't just have him lose every week, but you know, if you build it yeah. up properly, I think it could work out really well. It worked out when they did it with Kevin Owens, where Kevin Owens was just getting the better of him uh, from NXT. And then he came up. And uh, they had that great feud. I think you could do something similar to that. I wouldn't do it with Kevin Owens again so soon. I'd kind of put those two guys apart for a little bit. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like Sasha Banks and Bailey. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that Sammy, and I said this beforehand, I think that he'll, in many ways, wrestling style, uh, just being that top worker, I love his heel persona. He can play a baby face really well. Um, he always can become good in matches. And I feel like the unfortunate side effect of this concept I'm about to compare him to uh, with Owen Hart, you know, Owen, I think potentially down the road would have probably gotten the belt. Who knows? We, we can't go back and find that out. But the fact that he was probably one of the best wrestlers of the new generation, you know, in the early nineties, and he kind of, they used him for great matches for great feuds, but he never had the belt, but he had other belts. I think that Sammy kind of, Reminds me a lot of parallels of Owen and, and WWE's handling, or Vince, I should say, handling of him, uh, which hopefully that, that means that, you know, there will be something in the future that we can get to see with Owen. But uh, do you have any other comments before we move on? No, just like, I, you know, they need to – I definitely say let Sammy rest up. He had that pretty bad shoulder injury coming out of NXT to begin with. So 
the more time they give him, the better. Hopefully, you know, he heals up and he's fine. He's good to go for another, you know, two, three years. Um, and they can give him one hell of a run. But, you know, him and Kevin Owens really haven't taken any breaks since, you know, they started their feud and then going into the Jericho feud. And then they've, they've kind of been stables there, or staples, I should say, uh, for the past two or three years. So, yeah, guy deserves a break, and hopefully he comes back better than ever. Absolutely. Um, also in other news, uh, Dean Ambrose has been at the uh, Performance Center. Now, he could just be still healing from his injury. Uh, we don't know. Uh, I, I forgot. What, what exactly did he hurt? Uh, Chris, do you remember? Just pull it out of your ass if you, if you could. I it's the same feel thing like it was either – like, Was it like a, ro- was it a rotator cuff? Or a torn pectoral? So. It's an upper chest I, injury of some sort. I remember it, he was out for nine months. He's been out for six. People are saying, you know, there should be three more months. But this is something that Cena, even though he's super Cena, was able to recover from in three months. I think it was his rotator cuff. Uh, but it would make sense, storyline-wise, where they're going with, uh, this, you know, I guess it's probably not going to talk about SmackDown or Raw, uh, you know, the fact that we have a new Intercontinental Champion with Dolph Ziggler. It would make sense possibly deemed to make an appearance sometime soon. Speculation. Uh, do you think that we'll see Dean soon, Chris, or do you think it's still going to be another three months before we see him in action? I'm completely fine with Dean coming back a little early. Um, there's things Dean Ambrose can do with his gimmick that doesn't require him to wrestle. In a similar way to, you know, when Bray Wyatt came back early from his injury or you get someone like a, uh, you know, Chris Jericho when he came back and, and kind of just trolled for a while before he actually had a match. Uh, there's things they can do with his personality and his character. Just uh, hopefully it's not such a long gap that it becomes annoying, but uh, there's definitely things there. I mean, all he's got to do is be able to like swing a chair or a baseball bat or something to pull off the lunatic gimmick. I just hope they kind of give him a little bit more than just yelling lunatic fringe. Um, Like maybe make the guy like heelish crazy, more like uh, his character, you know, not, I don't want to go full like Brian Pillman, but, uh, you know, somewhere in between John Moxley and, and his current his, – well, well, where he left off. Uh, just amp it up a little bit. Uh, I know it's not necessarily going to be the most PG thing in the world, but I think it would be for him, and it would give them a legitimate threat to some of these big men like Roman Reigns and, uh, you know, Braun Strowman and, and I guess Brock Lesnar when he's done with his UFC stuff. Having someone that is a loose cannon – and you legitimately believe that he's crazy and that's how he can win a match is, you know, kind of like the Mick Foley thing. Well, um, what I was going to compare would be good. to, would you, would you want him possibly to be like, I'm not going to say full blown because sometimes she's a little bit over dramatic, but like kind of like Nikki Cross and how she comes out and fucking just acts like she's all over the place. I'm not saying do some of the stuff she does. Cause I think she takes a little bit over the top, but something like that. Yeah, just to, just amp up what he was currently doing, and like you know, stealing an ambulance isn't necessarily like what I would consider crazy. Like have him attack random people for no reason, good guys, bad guys, whatever. Like just have him actually go off. You know what I mean? Like uh, like more of what he did. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do John Moxley what he was doing in CZW and kind of the independent scene yeah. before he got to WWE. But channel a little bit of that. Um, and kind of come back with a chip on your shoulder 
and go after the shield. I think that would be the way to go with him. Uh, probably Roman Reigns would be the guy first, and then maybe have Seth trying to talk him off the ledge, and then you set up a feud between him and Seth. I mean, I think there's still money to be made there with like a maybe a quick shield reunion, like a tag match where Ambrose just snaps, um, you know, or something uh, like that. Basically, I always thought that it should have been Ambrose who snapped to begin with, but it made sense with what they ended up doing with the corporate storyline um, and kind of making, you well, know, I, Ro- like Rollins, Triple H's, the next Triple H or whatever, but there's more for him to do. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where they go with it. I The thing, the main thing is he needs, they got to give him a top tier opponent. They got to give him like Finn Balor's and Seth Rollins and, you know, those top tier guys right off the bat don't have him like come in and go against Elias Samson. Not that there's anything wrong with Elias, but I, I think Danny Ambrose is on a, another level. He He's higher than the mid card, um, especially coming back off after being gone for so long. There's a lot you can do with him. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, instead of trying to, you know, I, I, I always, when I first started watching wrestling, it was when he was kind of like with the champion against the authority with Seth Rollins and stuff like that. And it seemed like they were trying to prime him to become Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he was just more Mick Foley. Um, you know, to me, when I when I saw him, just like that craziness, not not so like scary badass who's cool, like more like scary crazy fucking guys in a fabulous face. Like that's what I got from him. Um, and I like I really like Dean Ambrose. Like I said, one of my favorite things I popped for was when he punched Chris Jericho in the face when they were like going over the whole back and forth with uh, the Survivor Series two years ago. You know, everyone's doing a promo, and then it gets the freaking Dean, and he just pulls a Roddy Roddy Piper and just knocks Chris Jericho right in the mouth, and everyone starts brawling. I thought it was awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing Dean come back, and I'd love to see him as a heel. I think that that would be great. It would add a different layer that we don't see on that platform. All right, John Cena is uh, nominated for the uh, ESPN uh, Humanitarian Award. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, I, I don't know a lot of details. I know that he's going against Durant and several other people. Um, I don't know the the accolades that each other person did. Um, you know, I'm more of a wrestling fan, obviously, uh, than any sport. Uh, but I really hope he gets it. I guess I'm biased about it, uh, Chris. I, I really hope he gets it. I know that, and that's it's part of the reasons, at least what he says, the reason why he doesn't want to have children is because he's always done these make-a-wish, and he's seen a lot of kids, and he loves hanging out with kids, but it's also kind of, Mess with his head a little bit because obviously the children end up, well, dying a lot of cases with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is great that they can help the kids out in their time of need. But, you know, uh, John seems like he gives a lot towards WWE. He gives a lot towards, uh, you know, putting money down for different types of uh, organizations and stuff like that, charities, um, always doing the Make-A-Wish stuff. You know, he has a tight schedule, and I feel like he always maintains his humanitarian style behavior throughout his whole entire career of being a celebrity, which is awesome. Uh, because a lot of celebrity, celebrities like to bark, uh, and not, as, not so many of them do as much as certain other individuals uh, like Cena. Um, but uh, how, how do you feel about the whole entire thing, Chris? I, I think it's just awesome to be nominated for this award and kind of have just not that John Cena needs it or that any of these guys involved need this level of publicity, but it does show that, you know, not all athletes are dicks or, you know, a lot of people do good things in the community. 
um, even small things or, or huge things uh, like JJ Watt, for instance, they they want to probably the guy who will end up winning, who donated tons and tons of money to the hurricane relief fund out in Houston and also recently bought or paid for a bunch of funerals after a school shooting out in Texas. So he's got some stiff competition because all of the guys on this list deserve to win some sort of award just for being good fucking people. Um, It's just great to, to see this in sports in general and, you know, wrestling, it's weird to talk about wrestling and ESPN, but uh, if anyone was, you know, deserves to be there, it's John Cena for for all his work that he's done. Um, And then just kind of just being a role model to kids in a lot of ways. I'm sure there's lots of kids that, you know, grew up kind of idolizing John Cena and, when you really think about the guy, he's not someone that's ever really got done the most Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes of anyone in history. Uh, donates to tons of charity. Like He is a good person to look up to as an athlete. Uh, so is you know Doug Baldwin, Kevin Durant, and J.J. Watt. So it's just cool to see him nominated. It's going to be cool to see who ends up winning this award. Um, but yeah, I mean, like any of these guys winning an award, like it doesn't really matter. That's not why they're doing it. It's just a cool honor for John Cena to be a part of it and uh, just get some recognition for being a good person. I think, you know, being the biggest star scoring the most goals or in hockey or, you know, being the MVP of the NBA, like all of that stuff is cool, but like being really good at your job and being recognized for being a good person would be probably what I would strive for. But, Absolutely. I agree. And uh, it's the Muhammad Ali uh, ESPN Humanitarian Award. So I hope John, uh, John wins. Like I said, I'm going to take Chris's word for it because I don't know anything about sports. So I'm sure all these guys have worked hard um, in order to be able to get recognized like that. So awesome. Good stuff. Glad good people are doing good stuff. You know, uh, let's uh, move on. Uh, so, uh, we're going to break some news. Uh, WWE is going to be going against, Chris, right? This, this is true. New Japan. Uh, it's soon, right? Right? Is that true? You're probably um, like, why the fuck is the best thing? No. no. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I think, I think maybe is the best answer, but we'll go over this. Uh, there are a lot of positive things uh, that we're seeing put in place um, that could mean that there are some understandings that at least the guy that's about to take charge once the other guy goes away understands. Because um, the last thing on the list is not something that's good. It's actually something that kind of contradicts this. But we'll start off with uh, the fact that not too long ago, uh, the NXT, no, no, not the NXT, WWE UK champion, um, what, uh, Pete Dunne, was at a progress show in which he went against the IWGP Junior uh, Light Heavyweight Champion, uh, Will Ospreay. That was probably about three months ago. That was the first, like, wait, what the hell? That's kind of weird. No champions on the line or anything like that. But still, the, the, the concept that you have these two organizations, wrestlers, wrestling in a completely different organization in their home country, was uh was pretty cool. Uh, G4 was uh, last week, uh, and it was awesome. A bunch of great announcements. I'm really excited about Super Smash Bros. in particular. Um, they had a Elite versus, um, whatchamacallit, a New Day challenge. And it was awesome to see these guys basically spit promos at each other, being a big fan of both of theirs. Xavier Woods is really good friends with Kenny Omega, and they brought their buddies. Obviously, New Day had Kofi and Big E. 
and Kenny had the Young Bucks uh, with them uh, with the Street Fighter tournament to see who was the best. Uh, the loser had to eat um, a habanero pepper, uh, which was amazing to watch at the end where Kenny decided to be, you know, try to be a badass after Xavier ate two of them and was like, you're not going to be a hero. I'll eat the steroids. He was so pulling a heel the whole entire time. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and uh, these two had an interaction at the end of it. They talked legitimately about hoping that the future can consist of, uh, you know, possibly them going against each other. Um, uh, you know, that wrestling would be good. And Cody Rhodes has been saying this. Uh, Don Callis, lots of people have been saying this, and Triple H as well, that collaboration would be a good thing for the wrestling industry. Uh, Triple H was talking at a press conference uh, in which we found out that uh, he was open. I don't know the exact quote, but, you know, he kind of went around about way, very political, if you will, um, you know, because you're talking about New Japan, which is not really their primary, you know, enemy or rival, but still technically their biggest rival, too, uh, within the wrestling industry. But he just said it very diplomatically that, yes, uh, he would love that type of concept, and he compared to what they did in progress in England and ICW over in Scotland. Uh, we find out also from Cody Rhodes in the press conference recently that originally when NXT brought over Jushin Thunder Liger to beat or to go against uh, Pretty Boy Tyler Breeze, that was supposed to be something that was going to happen more and was cut off at the executive level by someone else other than Triple H. This other person also, I think, is the same person. Uh, he uh, likes to fire people. Um, uh, that cock-walked, basically, Ring of Honor from using Madison Square Garden. Uh, so there is a little bit on both sides saying that this could be a possibility within the future, Chris. Uh, the question I have to you is, what do you think about all this? Um, how did you enjoy the G, uh, the, you know, the G1, or not G1, the uh, E3. E3? I, I think I said G4 earlier. I meant E3. There's lots of letters and numbers and stuff, guys. Sorry about that. Um, interaction between the elite and the young bucks. And do you think this could be a possibility of the two organizations maybe getting together in the future or not until after, if it even happens, Vincent Kennedy McMahon steps down and Triple H steps up as the head CEO of WWE and Titan Sports? I mean, a lot of it comes down to money and how much these guys are going to want to get paid and the contracts involved. Um, in some situations, like with Justin Thunderliger, he has a pre- he had I don't know if he still does, but he had a pretty open contract with New Japan at the time, where he was also working some matches in All Japan, and then he did the NXT thing. So I wasn't super surprised. He also was working in Ring of Honor a bit. Um, he was kind of just world traveling at the time. Um, it would be absolutely awesome, like to see collaboration, to see a co-lined pay-per-view. My biggest thing about it is I would rather see it at the NXT level, um, just based on the wrestling styles, especially if you're talking about New Japan and uh, WWE. Uh, New Japan and like saying someone like a Kenny Omega try to wrestle a WWE-style match, not that he couldn't do it. I just don't know that it would make him look very good. Um, I'm sure he would still have a good match. It's just when you start thinking about the level of like him versus a Juice Robinson or him versus Okada or him versus NATO and that kind of thing, the, the biggest thing that worries me is how it would get done, um, the politics around it. And the, the, you know, the thing that I would take out of it the most is with contract negotiations coming up for Kenny Omega, 
is this something that he put potentially the elite, the bullet club, they, or no, just the elite, him and the elite work into a contract where maybe they have the ability, the flexibility to do something with WWE, uh, like something with the new day or, or vice versa. Uh, because it, I mean, WWE seems like they have been better about honoring some of the independent contracts and how those things work out. The biggest thing is what does that look like? What, how do you, if you're going to, if you're going to do collaboration, is it both ways, which is what new Japan would want. Uh, it's how they've worked with ring of honor is they're getting talent both ways. Right. So if they're sending Cody to ring of honor, then, you know, they're getting Michael Owen or vice versa. There, there's something coming back the other way. And that's the thing that I don't know. Probably the thing that Vince is probably is, would be the most not into is sending his talent to a different federation to help get them over. Um, yep. He did it at one point, so though, right? Well, WCW definitely did, and I believe WWF did do some Japanese tour dates. I don't necessarily know if it was New Japan, but in the 80s, there was definitely some touring in Japan. Um, you're asking me to pull through a lineage of almost 30 years of Vince, so... I'm sure at some point they did do some kind That's of collaboration. New Japan, New Japan's done ton, you know, lots of stuff. Uh, I mean, Hogan wrestled in Japan at, at some point, but I think that was after his WWF contract ended, right before he went to WCW, and then before that it would have been during his time in AWA. So some of that stuff overlaps um, in a weird way. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely been guys from, you know, a trade-off of talent at some point, I would think, between WWF and New Japan. Uh, the big thing is, what does that look like? Is it a co-headline pay-per-view? Is it, here's one guy, you give me one guy? And that's probably what really got the kibosh is New Japan's going to want something in return. Like, there's nothing in, there's nothing, it doesn't benefit, to me, it doesn't benefit New Japan to send their top stars over to WWE and potentially have them lose on TV, which is what Vince would want to do. Yeah. Um, so the likelihood of it happening, just based on that, I, I think that would be one of those things. You really need a change in the guard in general. It's not it's just Vince. It would be Vince and everyone he's hired that is on that board, you know, the board that is going to make these financial decisions of where to put money, um, who to collaborate with, who not to collaborate with, uh, all of those kind of things. And then from there, it's who's going to book the match and how it's going to be booked. And to me, it's got to be – Similar to how you do it in the territories, where it's it's got to be fifty fifty. You got to make both guys look good. You can't just send Kenny Omega over and have him, you know, lose to AJ Styles every night in America. Like that would look bad for Kenny Omega. Um, so that to me, that's the I, I see more of a chance of them doing something with you know, doing what they're doing now with the smaller territories, something like P, PWD Evolve, um, those brands because there's a benefit for PWG to even have a guy wrestle, you know, a top tier star, someone like a Pete Dunne, that's someone that's known in the WWE universe. There's a benefit there for both companies where they're going to get a rub indirectly. Like if the top guy from PWG goes against, you know, Aleister Black in NXT, that's, that's a rub, you know, for PWG. As opposed to like New Japan, they're kind of at that next level where if they send someone over and they just lose, it doesn't do anything Absolutely, and I mean, you just talked about another situation. I almost forgot what 
which is another weird crossover style thing, you know, within all of this, uh, that Adam Cole, the NXT North American uh, champion, is going to be going to evolve for one of their events to be going against Walter for the championship to be on the line, who is the PWG heavyweight champion. So just another weird concept. But once again, we're talking about Evolve, um, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, which WWE, especially with Evolve, has, has done some stuff with. Then you have over in England with ICW over in Scotland and Progress, someone they're really cool. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to extend, like with them whole their their whole uh, global basically ter- uh, takeover, if you will, it's a territory system that they're trying to do. Um, in Japan, if they'll go for like a smaller company like a pro wrestling Noah Scratch and do their own thing and just NXT product that, uh, you know, different than what they're doing in England, obviously letting Progress and ICW do their thing, but they're kind of helping out a little bit. And I also wonder if YTJ might be, if there is any type of talks or good air between them or if anything, I wonder if Chris Jericho, you know, I know that him and Triple H are best friends, but him and Vince, from what he says, seems like they have a good friendship. They're just saying, like, why don't you do business with these guys? You know, you can make money. So there's a lot going into it, but I like, Chris, is what, he, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, not only that, uh, you know, you got to look at, go into details about the booking concept because that is a problem because you do, if, if, if you make them come over here and they lose, that's not going to help them out. You do the opposite. You could do a pay-per-view with like a lot of different people where it's like a Marvel versus DC, if you will, where each, they have a certain amount where they're even at the end of it. Each person gets a win or loss, or they could do something where they do a bunch of like, I don't know, tag matches to some extent where there is no real clear loser it's more we get to see the fun in the ring. I like what you were saying about NXT. I kind of would prefer something like that if they were going to do it, but I feel like New Japan would want a bigger stage. Um, as far as the styles, I, I get what you're saying. I think that the biggest thing, and I don't think Triple H would oppose this because of what I see in NXT, I think that Vince would is letting wrestlers that you know, like Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, go full tilt, Shinsuke Nakamura against these guys um, within these matches because – if not, it would hinder the product, and it would be harder to put together. Yeah, and I think, you know, if I was going to do this, I would probably start at the very tippy top and go for someone. Hopefully, the IWGP champion versus your WWE champion, and I would try to have that belt on either Daniel Bryan or AJ, AJ Styles and do it in a way where... Okay, so say say that Kenny Omega has to come to America to wrestle this match. We'll do it in a way where Kenny Omega is playing sort of a heel, and he requires Japanese rules um, and red shoes to be the referee, and then do a time limit draw. So then you can actually explain a time limit draw. Both guys look good. They have an incredible match. It does great business for both companies. And then from there... Once you get past that first match, you can trade wins and losses. But you don't want to send your top star over to any company and just bury them. I mean, like, you know, like, Ric Flair would come over and put people over, but it would always be, like, when he would travel as the NW champion, it's going to be a time limit draw. Same thing with Dusty. Like, you can do it, and I think there's a way you could do it so that it would make sense, especially if you build that it's going to be, the reason it's going to be these rules is because Kenny Omega has to come to America and you can build that up as him being a dick 
and wanting his own set of rules and kind of making him a prima donna. You could do the same thing with NATO or Okada. I think you go with oh, the top man. guys. You could, you could add that element of like him being that kind of going against the WWE marks, like really getting under their skin even more so. Like, oh, why do I have to come over to here? Ugh, like that arrogance, like really bring out the cleaner side to him. I would love that. It, it just will. Could it happen? Um, and I have no idea. I, I honestly, I unfortunately think that it won't be until after Vince is. I don't think they'll go to that big of a company. Um, I think that Vince doesn't probably pay attention to a lot because he's paying so much attention to Titan Sports and WWE and trying to make a fucking football league for some goddamn reason. Um, I don't. I, I think that he knows at least Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and uh, New Japan. They are competitions to some extent. So I think that it wouldn't get past me with that. I have no idea. It was weird watching the Hardys uh, 24 documentary and then seeing them um, basically throw a shout-out to uh, Global Force Wrestling and then uh, promote their website for their streaming service for all the old TNA and Impact stuff and watching something else to wrestle with and seeing all the AJ footage on there and see all the Hardy footage. You know, it is weird. There are lots of stuff going on, you know, wh- whether it be Don Callis being a part of Impact but also being a part of New Japan, that outside of the WWE, I'm, if anything, I'm glad that people are collaborating and, and getting along to some extent. But, yes, I'm sorry. I am a huge wrestling fan. I want to see the biggest names in WWE collide with the biggest names in New Japan. It's the closest thing, at least to me, that will be WCW versus WWF back in the day. So, yeah, some matches would be great. Um, I guess, Chris, I'll pass to you. You said an awesome one. You know, if, if we're going hypothetical, uh, I loved your idea of even if it's not AJ, what about Daniel Bryan and Kenny, for both, uh, you know, champions? I, I, think, I think AJ and Kenny is what everyone would assume, but what matches would you like to see out of the great talent in WWE compared to over in New Japan? I mean, I would love to see Samoa Joe versus Okada. I haven't ever seen that. I'm not sure if it's ever happened. I would love to see that. I would love to wow. see uh, a program with NATO and Kevin Owens. Um, yeah. I, I would love to see o- Omega versus AJ Styles or, you know, Omega versus uh, Daniel Bryan was one, like, also. I would I would love to see Okada versus John Cena. Um, or Takahashi versus – or Tan- not Takahashi, Tanahashi versus uh, John Cena. Like, there's a lot of stuff I would love to see. I mean, the, the one that comes to mind right off the bat is, you know, New Day versus the Elite. I think that would be really, really fun. I think it's a, the kind of match where if one team loses, it doesn't really hurt anyone. Because, um, like, if the New Day loses, it's not that big of a deal. The New Day is still going to be over. If the Elite loses and Kenny Omega doesn't take the pin, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And the, my main thing is, like, I, I want all the wrestlers to look good in it unless it's going to be 50-50, which almost becomes a co-headline pay-per-view. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's, ton, there's tons of potential there. I mean, even going to, like, a, uh, you know, Nakamura versus Kushida or something, or, or you know, like, Evil versus uh, Bray Wyatt. Like, there's a bunch of matches that I would love to see uh, with guys matching up that they're starting to come to me, but it's one of those things I'd really have to sit down and maybe that's something we do in the future is we try to book, I think we've yeah. done it kind of before, but let's try to book a, a WWE versus New Japan co-headlined pay-per-view 
but in a way that would make sense. Um, and right off the bat, I think it's some kind of a tournament. Like, <laughs> I think that would probably be the best way to do it with some three way more in the way New Japan books it, uh, where you can try to make all these guys look good, but uh, like a points tournament G1 style, uh, where you can give, you know, everyone a win or at least some points. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, what's, I mean, what's, do you have any top matches that you would kill to see? Well, I know he's Ring of Honor, but Cody with Brandy against The Miz with Maurice definitely seems like it would be a fun interaction. Um, I'm wondering who you put against, because I, I don't know if it would be believable with Ishii, but either Ishii or Bad Luck Folly. I think Ishii would be the funnest way to go about it against Braun Strowman. I know he's much smaller, obviously, but he's a brick shithouse, so I feel like that would be a fun match that Braun probably would go over, obviously, at the end, but still be a really, really fun interaction. Um, man, I've, I don't think we get this. I, I don't know who you put against Suzuki, because that's also an interesting concept. Like, maybe if, if, if Undertaker's still doing it, they're about the same age, Undertaker versus Suzuki, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, I wish we can get – let's go all out. Let's, all right, Keiji Muto's going to come over, even though he's all known for Al Japan. He's going to fight The Undertaker as a great Muto. It'll be both of their last match. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be serious, though. So I love Tanahashi versus John Cena. just seems very reasonable. I would actually do Shinsuke versus Y2J, because I don't think they've done that, and they're kind of the guys that have jumped ship a little bit, and they're the both known as the rock stars. So I think that you could kind of get away with some stuff uh, there. I don't know. Will Osprey's another person that would be fun to throw around. Maybe LIJ versus, uh, versus the Shield, like I did the other night with NATO, Sonata, and, and uh, oh, I think I played it with you. Um, and um, NATO, Sonata, and, uh, and Evil versus, obviously, Seth Rollins, um, Roman Reigns. I, I don't know who you get to get Roman Reigns. I really don't care at this point. Um, but we'll worry about everyone else's match. We'll get Roman somewhere on the card. Uh, he can fight. He can fight Yano. We'll have Roman against Yano. Isn't that great? Uh, Yano wins with a nut shot. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Jesus. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love to see this. Chris would love to see this. We both. I, I Instead of everyone hating on each other and trying to see who's better and all that type of crap, why don't we just enjoy what we have um, and, you know, expand our mind when it comes to professional wrestling and want everyone to get along. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too positive today, Chris. Could be the second banana I ate. I think I got too much potassium. I don't know what the fuck that means. All right, anyways, um, I think the next thing that we need to talk about, actually, is, um, yeah, is the G1. Uh, would you like to kind of go into detail about the bracket system and, and what's going on with all that? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the G1, obviously, tournament last year, NATO won. Um, so the bracket was officially released, and uh, I'm going to pull it up here, and then we're going to go over it. And uh, should I go over the tournament rules again? For everyone yeah, out there? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think? So it's a point-based tournament. So it's not not bracket-based. You're not one win and you're out or one loss. And you're, well, one win you would continue, obviously, but... Uh, Let's pull up. Sorry.
<laughs> so basically, the G1 Climax, you get, if I'm not mistaken, you get three points for a win, two points for a draw, which would be a time limit. Um, no, whoever wins the match is given two points. If the match ends in a draw, each person gets one point. A loss gets, gives you zero points. So at the end of the tournament, or at the end of each bracket, basically, you basically, whoever has the most points continues. So it's point-based. So it's kind of like watching any kind of racing you could think of. Um, but uh, essentially, you know, if there's a tie for some reason, whoever won the match between the two earlier in the tournament gets, a, gets the tiebreaker and they advance to the final. So what happens is you're going to get a bunch of guys, they're all going to end up facing each other in the bracket. Um, there's two brackets. There's bracket A and bracket B. And basically everyone will fight each other, and then they'll stack the points to figure out uh, who's going to continue from there. Uh, so just to go over the bracket, um, we have Block A on July 14th. We have Okada versus Jay White, Tanahashi versus Minoru Suzuki, Elgin versus Evil, Bad Luck Fale versus Hangman Page, Choji Makabe versus Yoshihashi, Kenny Omega versus Nato on the 15th, uh, Koto Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Roku Goto versus Sonata, Juice Robinson versus Tamatanga, and Tomiro Ishii, I always fuck his name up, uh, versus Yano, and that's the 15th. And then they'll continue that on, and basically it's just going to continue to go until they get through each one of those matches. So it's going to go all the way into August 4th. So each of those guys are going to end up fighting in this bracket. The full bracket list is out on G4. You can check it out. But the the main thing you need to know is the bracket itself is separated. And it, you have Omega, Nato, Juice Robinson, Ishii, Yano, Abushi, Zack Sabre Jr., Goto, and Sonata, and Tamatanga. So that is your, you know, block B bracket. And then block A, um, Okada, J. Wyatt. Uh, Tanahashi, Suzuki, Elgin, Evil, Bad Luck Fale, Hangman Page, Makabe, and uh, Yoshihashi. So those are all the competitors that are going to be in it. They're going to go through. They're going to wrestle everyone. Each person is going to wrestle each other at least once. And then you will have, you know, the Block A, Block, block B final match. And what it'll end up doing is setting up a bunch of point matches in between there where, you know, if this wrestler wins, then he's going to continue forth. And if this wrestler loses, then he'll pretty much be out of it points-wise. Um, and last year, this led to, you know, NATO winning the tournament. So it's 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 a very interesting tournament. It's a cool way to see a bunch of different matchups uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think you would see. And then I guess I think my predictions for the tournament at least who I think is going to win. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Okada being that he just lost the title. Um, but I could also see NATO picking up the win simply because uh, he also just dropped the belt and uh, he won last year. So those are my two top picks. What do you think, Dane? Are you excited for the G1? I'm, ex- I'm extremely excited. Um, I think it's, it's awesome. I mean, this is, this is where you really make wrestling just, like, so athletic. Like, I know that everyone thinks predetermined, obviously, but the fact that they have to do it 
in such a rushed concept and and they're they're busting their ass constantly doing matches night to night. It really is such a there's a lot of legitimacy to this tournament, basically, and I, I saw that displayed outside of the Yano Kenny Omega match, which is the only fucking G1 match I, I showed my brother who I was trying to get into this. But that's okay, it's it's fine. I love Yano, um, but yeah, man, this is this is this is incredible. This is crazy. Uh, these guys beat the shit out of each other. Um, I love the ending with uh, Okada and Omega, and then you know Omega and NATO. I, my two, and it's funny, I. I I kind of forgot about Okada, but I think it would be crazy if it came down to Kenny again. Now, I don't know how it worked, if this really works out because of the bracket system, but if it was the Golden Lovers and, um, whatchamacallit, Kota Ibushi actually ended up beating Kenny uh, to win the G1. I could see NATO also winning the G1. Okada's obviously, those four basically, for some reason I just feel like storyline-wise it would make sense you know, I know that, that uh, Gato likes to do long-term booking, so he has everything in place. So it would make sense that maybe this would be a larger overall storyline. I know that's the next one is Okada wanting redemption, but, I mean, I think that there's a lot more to play with if you've got the Golden Lovers in quarrel, if you will. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Yeah, and uh, they're in the same bracket, I believe, so you could totally see that. You know, they're definitely going to go against each other in the tournament, and they can build off that um, for an in-between title match. So it could even end up being the final that, you know, kind of breaks them apart if they go that route. Uh, oh, wow. Block. So the you could do – they're going to be able to – The champion. Oof, yeah, and I, it's, I, I don't know if a – I would have to go back and look through history to see if a champion has ever won the G1. I don't know. Well, yeah, man, I'm really excited about this, though. Because you get to see, like, their whole entire roster, and that's the biggest thing is, like, yeah, it's going to be hard for anyone to keep up with all the matches every day as they come out. But if you get a chance to watch here and there or go and find recaps from different websites of which were the top matches, you know, you can have a lot of fun with this and learn, like I did, a lot more about New Japan, their whole entire roster, what they have to offer. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, are you are you yeah, ready and, to move on, Chris, or do you have some closing statements for well, us? Sasaki was champion in one, and Muda in '95 was champion in one. So it has been done before. So it's not impossible that Kenny Omega doesn't win the entire thing, um, but it hasn't happened in a long time because they added the title stipulation, where basically, kind of like WWE's Royal Rumble, whoever comes out on top of this thing is going to get a title shot. The biggest thing yeah. I see is that your block B is Omega, NATO, Ibushi, and Zack Sabre Jr., um, <laughs> which is going to be, you know, to me, just seeing those guys mix it up is, is worth the price of admission of the $10 on New Japan World. Um, and then, of course, you're, you're going to get your, yeah. your obligatory uh, Bad Luck Fale versus Kazuchika Okada match. You're going to get Suzuki in there, probably mixing up with Okada. Um, Elgin going against those guys. Tanahashi's in that block. So, I mean, there's going to be – the thing about this tournament is that you're going to see some great fucking matches. Every year there's great matches yep. in this tournament. And then I'm, I'm just excited for awesome wrestling, as always. So, uh, definitely looking forward to it. But, yeah, I'm tipping my hat towards uh, probably other NATO or Okada. 
I mean, those are pretty good. Uh, on top. I'm going to say screw it. Suzuki's going to win. It's going to be his year this year. He's going to rip through everyone's face <laughs> and just scare them with that, <laughs> that scowl up his. He's a very scary-looking dude. And the fact that he's legitimate, like he's actually beating the shit out of people, like, man, I just – I want to see him just full tap. I know he's like – I think he's like 52. I don't remember, but, yeah. Minoru Suzuki. Scary guy. Anyways, uh, yeah, really, really excited about uh, G1. It, it basically, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to this. It, it's their version of the Royal Rumble. If, if Dominion is SummerSlam and Wrestle Kingdom is WrestleMania, this is their concept. And, you know, WWE doesn't do Kings of the Ring. They have a Rumble, but it's a little bit different at the beginning of Wrestle Kingdom. They don't take it as seriously. This is a way for a personal win to go and, you know, go against the champion, basically. Like, that, that, that's the big thing. And uh, New Japan doesn't really have Survivor Series, but they do those matches quite often because they have so many stables. So there you go. If you didn't know a lot about New Japan, check it out, like we said. Uh, let's move on, Chris, uh, to our last story before we cover these wonderful WWE pay-per-views. Um, we have a spoiler alert, guys. So if you don't want to know about stuff going on with the U.K. tournament, you know, just, just, just go a couple, like a minute or two into the future and uh yeah but uh spoiler warning all right one two three we have new nxt tag champions uh which i can't believe because i really thought that the undisputed era with Roderick strong kyle o'reilly was going to probably last you know a while i I felt like they were going to have their time for being all champs and they kind of just recently got the title I love who they lost to because I love Mustache Mountain. I love Tyler Bate. I love Trent Seven. I think that he's charismatic as hell and is a really great big man. I think Tyler Bate is an incredible wrestler. Uh, I mean, along with, like, Leo Rush and, and Patrick Clark and, and Will Ospreay, they're, like, all in their early 20s, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I'm also getting to the point. Where I understand it's very hard when you're recording stuff to put on the network later on. You want to be able to admit to leak stuff before major outlets start doing it for you. But at the same time, I just it sucks that I found out about this on a website instead of watching it. I believe this weekend when it airs. Are you excited about the championship? And are you kind of annoyed about finding out online? Yeah, I mean it. I would have ended up finding out either way just because I look at a ton of wrestling outlets, but for people that only watch WWE and don't really pay attention to, you know, F4W or PW Torch or, you know, pro wrestling dirt sheets in general, this could have been a cool surprise. It's something you could have avoided, but with WWE putting it out there in the forefront, it's kind of one of those things where, well, all right, cool. I guess um, I wish that they would have just posted the footage of the match, the raw footage, whether they edited it or not with like, Holy shit, this just happened. And instead of actually saying it, maybe even just to finish that if people had a choice to watch it instead of just like putting it over, but you know, whatever it's, I'm still going to watch it. It's probably still going to be a good match between those two tag teams. Uh, I am a little surprised. It does make me think that they're looking at pushing that faction up to the main card or yep. to, you know, either SmackDown or Raw a lot faster than they planned. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with Adam Cole, but I'm going to assume that they're, with them dropping the titles, you'll probably get, you know, one more match out of it, and then either that tag team is going up and splitting away from Adam Cole, or, you know, they're all three going up together. So it's going to be interesting. Um, what I hope I don't end up with is a faction on Raw and a faction on SmackDown where you get Sanity and 
basically the same thing they did with the, you know, the riot squad and, uh, you know, whatever the hell pages group was called that I can't think of right now. It was absolution. Uh, absolution. Yes. That. So you do, you just do the same thing on both brands at the same time. I hope they don't go that route, but, uh, yeah, cause if I'm not mistaken, um, on SmackDown, didn't they just debut sanity? Yep. Again, cause that's pretty awesome. But, so, yep. So I'm hoping it's not, hey, we're going to rush this because we need factions in both places. But outside of that, like, I mean, you know, I'm excited for Mustache Mountain. I like both those guys. Trent Seven's awesome. And uh, Tyler Bate, his work stands for itself. Uh, those meshes with Pete Dunn were fucking incredible. And everything I've seen of him, for the most part, has been pretty damn impressive. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them have a run. I just don't know who they're going to go against, the uh, tag team division on NXT right now. So maybe this is a way to influx, you know, more tag teams in. Um, and maybe, you know, they are going to stick around a little longer than I think. But, you know, uh, the, the NXT pay-per-view we're about to talk to is basically, you know, only Lorcan and what Danny Birch thrown together as a tag team yeah. to go against the champions. So they got to do something. This makes sense. And then now you at least have, you know, a headlining tag team match until you can build back up your tag division um, in a way that makes sense. I, I, I do agree with you. I do. All right. Um, I guess. Oh, actually, last bit of uh, uh, business. Uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Undertaker. Go. Gonna wait for you. Uh, Taker. <laughs> All right. There you have it. I mean, I love Minoru Suzuki, my but like, you know, I grew up watching Taker. He's not a. He's not Undertaker. He's just not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, that's nothing against at least not, at least not, at least And that's the bottom line. Just don't go I mean, in a shoot fight, Suzuki. <laughs> if we're talking hey, about a wrestling match, I think Taker's going over. But if we're talking about a shoot fight, then probably Suzuki. Hey, man, this is Undertaker, the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, he wouldn't want to get kicked by one of Minoru Suzuki's kicks. See, the thing is, in, in that situation, I don't want to put him against Triple H. Because, I guess he could. Triple H can be intimidating, also be a bitch if he has to, but it, it seems like Suzuki versus Taker. So, guys, yeah, basically, that's, um, that's the news. Um, let's go on to some other stuff that we have to talk about. Uh, there was a couple pay-per-views this last weekend. Uh, I thought there was a lot of good stuff on both pay-per-views from WWE, some really good wrestling. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, other stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Let's, uh, let's go over TakeOver Chicago. Uh, this was a fun pay-per-view start for the NXT Tag Team Championships, uh, the ones that we just talked about. Well, uh, when they had the belts, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong defeated Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch to retain their title. Uh, this was a very hard-hitting match. Um, lots of, like, you know, just, just, Headbutts and such, and these guys beat the shit out of each other. I don't really remember a lot from this match, guys. It was Saturday. It was not one I really revisited. It was a fun match for watching it. Um, I forgot to tell you actually, Chris. Like I hung out with my parents uh, on Saturday night, uh, you know, and I took them out um, Sunday for 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 lunch, for uh, which we call for Father's Day. Um, but uh, we were just hanging out Saturday night, and I was like, Hey, do you mind if we watch pay per view in the background? And my mom hasn't watched pay-per-view or wrestling in general since she was pregnant with me. And it's the only time in her life where she liked wrestling. It was because my dad watched it. My dad hasn't watched anything since the 90s. And they were getting into it so much. It was awesome. 
Like, my mom was, like, you know, just really blown away by everything. And, like, the last match that we'll talk about with Tommaso Ciampa, the ending part, my dad was legitimately concerned and thought that he was really injured. And he was really, like, nervous. He was like, this, this is why you don't do stuff like that. My dad's from Boston, by the way. That's why I talk uh, like that. <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun. And um, I'm glad that they were – I guess that kind of highlighted everything for me. So even, like, the matches that I wasn't a big fan of that we'll get to, um, it, it still was a good, a good time, if you will. But uh, either way, this tag match, like I said, it wasn't too memorable. I just knew that both guys – like, it was four guys that wrestle very aggressively. So they beat the shit out of each other. Unfortunately, uh, Danny, Birch, and Oni Logan lost. And um, they're going to go back. And they I, – I, I, don't, I don't really consider either one of them job guys. I like them as a tag team, keep them there. They're probably going to be NXT for a while. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I think they're both enjoyable to watch in matches on NXT. Um, how'd you like this match, Chris, in a very, very long roundabout way? I actually thought it was a pretty good match. It felt a little rushed um, at times, uh, going yep. from spot to spot. But, you know, overall, I, you know, all of these guys wrestle a very, very stiff style. Uh, it looked believable in a lot of spots. The weird thing to me was, like, the undisputed error to me would have blown through them, but I think it's 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 just the lack of tag team competition on NXT, uh, and I think they really needed to figure out a way to get to leak, to make Birch and Lorkin look good. But it's just really weird because they've won like maybe one match, two matches in singles and as a team, like one match. Um, so it was just kind of weird that they like protected them in a way where, you know, Adam Cole had to get involved. Uh, it, to me, it made the Undisputed Era look a little weak. But overall, like, the quality of the match and what they, what they were able to accomplish was was good, like, in-ring work, and, and I enjoyed it. It's just, the to me, the booking was a little weird, where they tried to protect Lorcan and Burge. But like I said, I, it's a lack of tag team competition in NXT, honestly. So they had to. Um, maybe it doesn't matter as much now that they're getting Mustache Mountain. You you definitely got a feud built in there, but yeah, weird. But uh, I, I enjoyed the match itself. One thing I will say that I definitely remember is that Undisputed Era is over as shit. Like, they're supposed to, it's kind of like the NWO Factor or DX. They're supposed to be the heels clearly in this, but people love them. And they were booing at parts, uh, Lorcan and Birch, which I, I, I like. I really do like Oni Lorcan and, and, and Danny Burch. They're fun to watch in matches, and they're stiff as hell. But uh, let's go to the second match. Uh, probably, God, I don't know. I know people are going to think I'm crazy. I think this might be my favorite match if it was an actual pure wrestling match. And I love the, the stuff that we got at the end of it. But Ricochet versus the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream came out with the Prince Puma pants. I don't know if they were you know, Ricochet's actual pants, but the exact same one but with this Hulk Hogan ensemble. It was awesome. Um, the two of them squared off in the ring and did like the Hulk Hogan rock thing and also rocked it with John Cena where they look both ways. Just so much fun. Um, this is a great match. This is great back and forth. They told a great story. Ricochet is incredible offensively. And I would say that Velveteen Dream's biggest thing is that he's incredible at selling sometimes a little bit over the top but i think that he sells really well and he just gets it and he's like 22 and ricochet such an incredible wrestler they were basically kind of trying to outdo each other throughout the whole entire match 
Um, you know, if Ricochet did something, you saw Velveteen Dream do it before him, like jumping, jumping up through the ropes or something like that. Um, when it came to their, their finishers, they were trying, you know, Ricochet nailed them with an elbow drop. And I forgot what, what Velveteen Dream tried to do, but they were, it, it, you saw that play out throughout the whole entire match. Um, I just, I, I think it's awesome. Ricochet won, but Velveteen Dream keeps on winning. He can lose in all these matches against Aleister Black, and he helps his opponent look better and also comes up on top. And people keep on saying that are, there are huge people that are analyzing wrestling. That is going to be a huge guy later on. So I thought it was great. I love both these guys. Uh, it's funny. Like I keep on saying, they both remind me of The Rock, but for completely different reasons. It's very weird. But just a big fan of this match. I watched it two times. Uh, you know, it's funny. My dad actually, uh, Chris, asked me after we were done because he brought it up the night before. We watched it. We watched it that night, and then we both watched it the next morning because we enjoyed it so much. And then my dad uh, said something about it reminding him of Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat, and then we watched that match afterwards, which was great. So I'm not saying they had that exact same thing, but he saw parallels, and I was like, oh, that's cool. So uh, how did you like this match, man? I thought it was absolutely incredible. Uh, wonderful match. Um, hard for me to put it in, like, match of the year category after Dominion, but uh, it was a damn good match. And, uh, man, like, they're going to have to start calling Velveteen Dream, like, Mr. Takeover or something, because every match he has at a takeover <laughs> is fucking phenomenal. Like, he's he's getting close to, like, what Sami Zayn was able to accomplish when Sami Zayn was there as far as, like, quality of matches. Um Granted, he didn't win the match, but that that's not the fucking point. Like, he made Ricochet look like a million bucks while making himself look great. Um, the back and forth between them, the way they actually played the story into the match where anything you can do, I can do better, really, it works. And it doesn't always work. There's been lots of people do it. You know, like, you know, another time I could think where it really worked was, you know, Dean Malenko and... Uh, Eddie Guerrero, they had a similar feud, and, and Chris Jericho and Team Malenko, they're, I mean, both obvious, like obviously great guys in the ring um, where they did very similar things. But this one was uh, to a different level, like uh, Dream doing the like knee flip off the ropes, for instance. Like just stuff you don't really see him do that often. From top to bottom, this match was just great. Uh, there was a couple spots that, like I said, it, it felt a, a little rushed in spots, but outside of that, like it was a really damn good match. And, um, as much as I love Ricochet and think he's incredible, I still see Velveteen Dream as the biggest star WWE has, especially when you're talking about NXT. And they got to start getting the guy some wins. Maybe put the title on him. Yep. I don't know where they're going, how they're going to get there, but it's it's time to look at the you know the roster that they have and the talent that they have and go, okay, well this guy to me he's heads and tails above everyone as far as. Not necessarily in ring work, but just overall, like, total package of a wrestler. I think Velveteen Dream's there in a way that uh, even when he loses, he still makes himself look good, which is not an easy fucking thing to do. It is very Macho Man-esque, um, Shawn Michaels-esque kind of performances. So it's uh, it's great. And Ricochet was awesome. I think he did definitely deserve the win. Um based on how they built the storyline. But I, I hope the feud's not done, and I want to see more from these guys, and I want to see maybe a uh, more heel Velveteen Dream, maybe a little bit more desperate, bloodthirsty. I think that would be interesting. Uh, it's going to be hard to get the fans to cheer against, 
cheer <laughs> cheer negatively against either of these guys though um, at this point because they're just both so fucking phenomenal. What I would like to see is that after this um, feud with because uh, I don't think it's over um, with Ciampa and Gargano is done, which will, I'm assuming will be the rubber match, and then we'll we'll, we'll move on with that. Uh, Ciampa, I would like to see against Alistair and maybe even Johnny against um, uh, what should we call Velveteen Dream, uh, kind of have feuds. But I think it should end on. I don't. A lot of people want to rush Velveteen Dream, Chris, um, and I get why. I mean, he's he's going to be huge once he hits it. But it's like he's 22. You know, I think that you wait until you're about to, you know, pull Alistair Black to Maine. You have them revisit their feud. They have some type of bullshit that happens at one of the matches for the title. And then they have another match and maybe at takeover, you know, for Mania or something like that. He beats Aleister Black. Aleister Black goes on. Hopefully Vince doesn't fuck him up. Um, and Velveteen Dream has a championship belt for, I don't know, a little period of time. You don't want to have him. You definitely want to get him on main sometime soon. But um, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the process. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and, and, uh, I agree with you 100%. I don't think you have to rush him at all because still in the wings you have EC3 and you have Keith yeah. and you have you know Pete Dunne who I'm assuming will eventually become you know a guy that you would see against a Ricochet. You have Johnny Gargant. Like the NXT roster is stacked in a really good way that even when you pull Aleister Black up, you still have so much to fall back on. Though so, like you don't need to rush any of these guys. Um there's just, especially with Keith Lee being there, like Keith Lee versus Velveteen Dream or, uh, you know, EC3 versus Ricochet. Like, there's there's great potential there in general for feuds. Uh, and, and, you know, Adam Cole's just sitting in the wings for either of those guys uh, with the title. So, I you know, you don't have to rush him. I think that, to me, he is the biggest star in NXT right now. I think, you know, Aleister Black is probably second. Um, Ricochet is obviously over. He's just a spectacle to watch. But as far as total packages, I think you got Alistair Velveteen Dream, and you can switch him one and two to me. But those are the top well, I two would put, as um, far as who. No, I, I I love Alistair Black, and you know that I'm a huge mark for him. I put Johnny Gargano over him. Um, and if we're talking about getting interaction for the fans, I think, and we're about to talk about the thing. I mean. It was a woman's match, but, you know, his match with Lars Sullivan, I think the whole feud kind of fizzled out Aleister Black a little bit. Um, not Lars' fault. It just didn't seem like a compelling feud for him at all either. They've been getting Aleister to talk a lot more. I think he doesn't even do that as much, kind of keep his mystique, um, maybe work out a little bit. I know that he went from, I think, under 205 to now 215. Put on a little bit more muscle probably. I don't know throughout this duration. I don't know necessarily if he has to, but – Man, during their match, they got the audience into it, but it took a long time. No one really gave a shit for a while. And speaking about no one really giving a shit is also the other championship match, the women's championship match. Shayna Baszler defeated Nikki Cross. I don't think the audience was too into this. I think that they just had very different styles. Uh, obviously, Shayna's more of a shoot, uh, uh, I guess, MMA-style competitor uh, trained by... Um, Oh, man, I can't remember his name. Uh, kind of does stuff with JR for New Japan. Uh, Josh Barnett. Turned by Josh Barnett. I don't think – a lot of people don't like her, and this is like an indication of, of – or I guess I should say a vindication, if you will, uh, that they're correct that she's a horrible wrestler. I just don't think that they flowed together. I don't think the match was that bad. 
Uh, I like the ending, too, where Nikki Cross is smiling and doesn't, you know, gets not unconscious. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I have also a guess that Nikki's going to show up. Naomi's going to get involved with this whole sanity thing, very similar to the Bludgeon Brothers, and Nikki's going to show up and beat the crap out of her, and she'll rejoin, hopefully, sanity, because I don't see what you do with Nikki Cross after this. You didn't get her the belt. So I, I just this match was vanilla. I mean, not vanilla, but it was nothing to me, really. Chris, what do you think? I thought it was an okay match, and obviously they need Baszler to win. Um, the only thing I liked the the end with Nikki Cross. She just started smiling too soon. Um, I guess she thought yeah. it was going to end quicker than it did. So like she went into the smile, and then she went into a grimace for like ten seconds, and then she went back into the smile. Is like just a weird visual thing for me more than anything else. And also, that finisher is not what I would be out. Like, Shayna's other finisher looks, like, pretty brutal. Um, and just choking, you know, I guess it made – it. this was a way to do it so Nikki Cross didn't look weak. So, like, they're done with this feud. And, you know, they kind of split this off. I, I'm just – I think there's something, too, that their styles don't really go together. Um it wasn't a bad match, but it definitely – I think it was placed in a good spot. Uh, they had to put this match – at. you know, the other thing is it's coming after the Ricochet Velveteen Dream match, which probably didn't do it any favors, but I don't know where else you put it. Um, because you really don't want to bury the Aleister Black match either. So I, I think, you know, it suffers from – their styles aren't necessarily the best together and then also is put in between – it was put after what I would consider the best match on the card. Not that I didn't like the match we're about to talk. It, it, it was in a weird spot on the card. I think they should have probably went first and then put the tag match in between um, here. I understand yeah. why they don't do that, but I think it would have helped them out a little bit because I think there's a little bit of crowd fatigue. Um, I don't think the crowd hated yeah. the match. I think it was like they literally just watched 22 minutes of Ricochet and Velveteen Dream and then you get the women's title match and it's not this is an Oscar versus Ember Moon. You know what I mean? Yep. Now I agree, and I think that's the reason why they didn't put the championship match last because of that. It would have been fatigued completely after Gargano and uh, Ciampa. But yeah, I think that you're right. It might not have been so much dissatisfaction with the audience, but the audience being worn out after watching the Dream because those first two matches, even even Lorcan, it was a fun, fast tag match. And then you have this banger of a match between Dream and um, Ricochet. It just, I don't know. Uh, after this, it was Alistair Black. Uh, I completely forgot about Gargano and Ciampa. So, I'll, you know, I'm even telling my mom, yeah, I really like him. Um, my dad said, hey, he's kind of like The Undertaker. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little bit different, though. He's very MMA heavy. Um, I was like, just don't expect that great of a match. And I have to say, you know, I, I have given a little bit of praise. Not too much, but I think Lars Sullivan has gotten a little bit better for a guy his size. Um, I really want to say the double knee to the outside. Can we stop doing that? doesn't matter if it's Sasha or Finn or, or Alistair Black. It just looks like that's got to I, – I have bad knees, and that's got to hurt. I have to, it, it looks like shit is the other that. thing. Well, like, it looks like shit, it, too. It, 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 <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, driving your knees into the ground, it doesn't look that good. And also, how much protection do you give someone to the outside of not slamming their head full force with, with your body going against it? 
You know, it just doesn't seem like a very practical, smart move to do. Um, it, it definitely – there was a lot of back and forth. Um, I think the biggest thing that people are going to remember from this match, though, and it, and it sucks that it happens. I mean, this just happened to gender, literally, and the audience definitely pointed it out that, that Lars fucked up. But uh, Alistair really fucked up first because he went for a black mask, didn't get him in the head at all, uh, and then Lars reacted like a couple beats afterwards, so it even looked more ridiculous. Um, obviously, in a situation like that, what you'd probably do on, on the spot if you were him, probably had a little bit of a freak out, would be turn around when you're a monster, laugh at the fact that this guy just tried to kick you in the back of the head and miss, and then go after him and then kind of impromptu after that. But that didn't happen. Um, it did end, though, in a black mass after several attempts of the freak accident. Uh, black mass actually did his shoulder, which dropped uh, Lars to his knee, and then a black mass to his head while he was bent down and finally got to the three count. Another thing, that I thought that we were over after, you know, impact of the head was shown so much, especially with Dynamite Kid and then especially with Chris Benoit. You know, why are we still doing the headbutt off the top ropes? I know that that's probably not a good thing, it's just leading with your head and smashing on their body. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a, a, a wimp about it. But anyways, Chris, how do you feel about this championship match? It was eh. I mean, it wasn't bad or anything. It just, I'm not a huge Lars Sullivan fan, as I've said many times, and he doesn't really like, you know, I thought it was a fine in-ring match. I think, honestly, it went a little long. I probably would have had Alistair Black win. And not to say, like, Black Mass out of, in, like, nowhere, but uh, the end with all the reversals looked a little weird. I, I, the match would basically seem like we're, they were trying to protect Lars Sullivan more than they were trying to put Alistair Black over. Uh, so it just, I don't know, it came off kind of weird. And then the end of it kind of ruined it. And I, you know, not even the botch. It's just, uh, I think their whole, the whole speed of the match, uh, with the ref putting on the gloves and checking, uh, Laura Sullivan for like the little bit of a lip cut he had, I think that is what threw them off more than anything else. So I don't really, I don't know how you get around that because there's another example of this where you had a, there was a Samoa Joe, Finn Balor match where Samoa Joe's like had a bloody nose or something and they slowed the entire match down to a halt uh, and it kind of threw both guys off for a while. So that happens sometimes uh, I've noticed in WWE, which I'm all for safety and and health and all, but like you gotta, at some point you gotta recognize it's not like brutal, like match stopping or, you know, it's, it's not Randy Orton just got elbowed by Brock Lesnar bad and just let the guys go. Um, outside of that, you know, it was an okay match. Um, I liked it better than the women's match, but I thought it was one of the weaker matches on the card. I agree. All right, let's get to this last one. Tomas Ciampa defeated Johnny Gargano in a Chicago street fight. Um, wow, this was all over the place. My mom, while watching this all, she goes, I was really enjoying this, but now this is really stressing me out. <laughs> I started laughing at her because I understood it's, I mean, it, it kind of gets you. This was so – I mean, there's, there's been lots of pairings, but I, I feel this reminds me of ECW, Tommy Dreamer versus Raven, especially when they're going to the audience. The amount of hatred that they presented with both guys. Uh, or, or maybe Stone Cold and Triple H, their bloody rivalry when they had the three uh, decks of hell or whatever the hell. I love this. Uh, I thought it was crazy when they were fighting the crowd, Chris, that the one – Dan, quote-unquote, definitely someone that works there, had a sign that had a stop sign in the middle of it. Uh, that was awesome. I really think that, because he was favoring it, and they kind of included it in the storytelling. Um, 
my dad noticed, and I also noticed, when he jumps off the uh, top part, New Jack style, uh, when they're in the, the audience, uh, and dives at him, he looked like he went elbow first, and he seemed like he was on his right arm, and seemed like he was kind of favoring that the whole entire time. But these guys beat the living shit out of each other um, up and throughout the whole entire arena. I love revisiting the story of them going up the ramp, and Ciampa grabbing him and throwing him into the monitor and tries to go and do his move onto some tables. Johnny reverses it, puts him through the tables. Uh, my dad was, like I said, very stressed out about this whole process, thought that he was really hurt. I was kind of convinced for a second, like, Johnny, he looked like he was freaked out. And I was like, no, nah, he's going to go attack him. He starts beating the crap out of him, takes out everyone, knocks the referee out or down in the process on the top of the ramp. They go back, fight. Um, before that, Ciampa exposed, uh, took hedge clippers, took the ring, exposed it to the wood. Uh, when they finally get back in the ring, basically, uh, you know, Johnny beats the shit out of him a little bit more, and then Ciampa gets him to go around the ring, come in, DDT, on the wood, one, two, three, we're going to have another match. What the hell could they possibly do to outdo this? Um maybe a 30-minute Iron Man match with actual rules so that they're not just doing the same match that they did the first time, pretty much. Fucking phenomenal. No, all jokes aside, uh, I liked the match a lot. I thought that it was it was pretty incredible. I had a little bit of a problem with the ending because I think they made good guy Gargano kind of look like an idiot by basically turning completely heel and then losing the match. And I guess you could say, well, Ciampa got under his skin that much, but he had already beaten the man. He was being wheeled out on a stretcher, and then he ended up losing the match. So I, I didn't like the end booking of the match. Everything in between of it was pretty great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the ending took it out, like took me out of the match a little bit. Like it, I, I was like, damn, this was a. Awesome match, and then they got around to the ending with everything that they did with the stretcher and, you know, Gargano just laying into these poor security guards or whatever, suit dudes, I guess, like a, like they're video suit game dude. bad guys. Just suit dudes. They're like, a, you know, in Mafia, like the original Mafia game, when you go into a room, there's like 75 wise guys in suits. That's what I assumed that he was beating up. Um <laughs> He's Italian. Oh, no, you're talking about... Well, actually, they're both Italian. Never mind. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's beating up the wise guys, right? And then, I don't know. It just it seemed like Gargano took it... He took it so far that he became Ciampa, and if that's the storyline and they play off of that, then that's fine. But he shouldn't have lost the match. Like, they should have just called the match and, and just been like it was no contest or something. And they basically disqualified Gargano. Him losing the match makes him look like an idiot. Uh... <laughs> I yeah, always hate when they make does. baby faces look like idiots because uh, they do that so much in WWE. It's a pain point. Now, if it was that he just destroyed him so hard that he got disqualified, like the ref was like literally like we've already – like he's being pulled off on the stretcher. That's the end of the match. And then you just have the attack afterwards. And you could still have Ciampa, you know, hit that move, but what, why was there a pin? Like the pin didn't make sense to me. Because obviously Gargano had already won the match because you're willing a dude off in the stretcher. So the in-booking of the match ruined the match for me. Um, but as far as what the guys actually did, uh, besides the ending, because I'm sure that you know there, there was already an idea of what the ending was going to be. You know That was probably pitched to them of what they wanted to continue the feud. Um, 
just a huge oversight to me. If you're wheeling someone out on a stretcher, they've lost the match, whether you pin them or not. Uh, so, yeah, that, that part pissed me off a little bit. So I put this one, even though I think with what they were able to accomplish in 30 this, – this match was almost 40 minutes from beginning to end, by the way. Um, what they were able to accomplish in the ring I thought was phenomenal. I, pre- I liked their first match better um, overall. And I look forward to a third match, but hopefully, you know, it's, I hope it's a legitimate wrestling match, like just a straight wrestling match, like lose or leave town or something who can out wrestle, because I think it would be a good change of change of pace uh, from these. Basically. I mean, they're both no DQ matches. They didn't go into the street, so it's not really a street fight. Uh, The other one was unsanctioned. So basically no DQ, uh, but yeah, like, and the other thing that really pissed me off about it, I'm not gonna. This is the last thing I'm gonna say about this is the announcers. Instead of talking about the fact that this guy was getting rolled out on a stretcher, the match should already be over. They're talking about the fact that he tapped like midway through the end segment of this match, and that there was no ref there. And it's like, what the hell are you? Ta- the match should have been over when the guy was on a stretcher. Like that was the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah I, I can um, completely see where you're coming from. Um, I think my biggest thing, though, Chris, like if I were to say the criticism behind it, I mean, I definitely think the ending was a little bit wonky, but I knew they were coming back to that wooden, you know, exposed place at some point. I just wish they would have pulled it off a little more gracefully. But I've been saying this the whole entire time. I know that never everyone, not everyone watches Impact that might watch NXT. This is the exact that they have with Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan to the point where Tommy Dreamer who Johnny kind of embodies that concept, like I said, in that situation, he's been trying to get Eddie to snap out of it because he's going over the edge like he did. Same type of thing. He's turning into what he hates. That's their storyline. And it was great seeing that with them because it's very original. And Sammy's hated by everyone in the industry anyway, so they're really playing off of that. But now I see this, and it's like, even if you guys came up with it coincidentally at the same time, can you change a little bit? Because I, I, I think that you're right. I don't want to see Johnny turn into Tommaso Ciampa. I want him to overcome this at some point. So we'll have to see. I really yeah. have not liked how they've, they've treated Candice LeRae, who I think is going to be one of the top girls on the main level. Instead, she's like this fucking damsel in distress, and I can't stand it. It's the, go get him, Tiger, giving him the crutch. Like, oh, my fucking God. Like, it made me just annoyed, honestly. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we should move on to the next pay-per-view. You have one more statement to make. What was up? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess just to wrap it up, like, you know, this feud has been done throughout all of wrestling. And to be fair to Ciampa and Gargano, they probably had where, where they were going to go with this planned out a little bit, and then Ciampa got injured, so he was gone uh, for, like, eight months. And that was way before the Sammy Callahan, you know. You definitely can generally comparisons. I would say you could say the same thing about, you know, Terry Funk and uh, Jerry Lawler where they kind of almost became one another to the point where yeah, you know, Jerry Lawler is trying to stab Terry Funk's eye out with a piece of chair. Like, <laughs> I understand the played out thing. I'm, I'm just saying like the details of how similar they are and they're both back to back, you know, it's just really bad timing. And it's kind of like, if I saw that happening, I probably would make a little bit of changes. So it's not coming off beat by beat from pay-per-view to pay-per-view exactly what they're doing. Like they had, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a weird it's a weird thing. I understand it's a normal storyline, but 
I'm, I'm assuming someone's got you know catch wind of this. Like, oh shit, they're doing this exactly at Impact. That's really weird. Maybe we should. I mean, if I was if I was bit. Impact, if I was Impact, I would be the one to change it up because they're not having the same quality of matches as Ciampa and Gargano. That's a good point. So it right. looks like Kmart versus Walmart, and like that's never a good look. And even if they were starting the feud the way they were to begin with, the the big thing for me is Gargano. Gargano is the top babyface. So putting him in this thing and then also making him look dumb at the end of the match is just bad for Gargano. Hopefully everyone just remembers that it was a hell of a match and they forget about the finish. Let's hope. All right, let's go on to Money in the Bank. We're going to do something differently where we talk about the uh, big – we're going to go from the, the bottom of the card to the top since some of the top ones kind of suck. We'll be getting closer to the end and kind of like wrapping them up. Uh, well, they don't suck, but you know what I'm trying to say. We have to go over these big matches. we got the men's Money in the Bank. Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Bobby Roode, The Miz, Rusev, and Kofi Kingston. That was who it is from the New Day. Uh, I really like that big reveal. I think you called that, Chris. I think I was still saying Xavier Woods. Um, it was fun to have Kofi a part of this. I think the wrong man uh, won, and I am a huge Braun Strowman fan. I just don't think that Braun Strowman, to me, needs a briefcase. He's a monster. He can be able to go and get a a match at the top of the card with the big guy if, because he's going to beat everyone in the, in, in the process. That's what he's doing. So I guess they can go about this route. I guess this is kind of, well, oh, my God, if they don't actually follow through with it and pull Baron Corbin. I think this is signifying that Braun Strowman will have the title in the future, and I think that's a good thing. Um, to me, if I were to, it would have been either Joe Miz or uh, Kingston. I think that Kofi, that one at the end, I really want to Kofi – Braun Strowman to accidentally give Kofi the win and then to try some stuff with the New Day, but they didn't do that. I love seeing Big E uh, during the gauntlet match. That was a lot of fun. But this match was, was fun. I, I definitely will say that. I think the best part is that all of them beat the shit out of Braun Strowman at the beginning. There were a bunch of ladders, and then that horror movie monster, like I think Finn went to go grab one of them, and then he just jumps out and grabs it and like starts pulling him in, beats the crap out of him. Everyone tries to jump on him again. Uh, they're going to put him up through a table, and Kevin Owens is on his giant ladder. And, of course, King Kong gets the hell out of that, goes to the, through the top, and just launches KO. Bye. He went through a bunch. He's, he's going to take a, a rest right now. Um, just a lot of fun stuff, like I said, like the part where Finn Balor's on one side and Braun inevitably wins, but Kofi jumps on his back, and they're going up at the top. That was a lot of fun. I, you know, it's a, it's, it's a ladder match. Uh, nothing too over the top. A uh, couple memorable things. Chris, what did you think about it? As far as just a you know a money in the bank match, I, th- I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, obviously, I wasn't a huge fan of Braun getting the briefcase because I don't. I, I wasn't even a huge fan of him being in the match in general, to be honest. Um, yeah, me too. Because I I kind of just realized that like actually when we did the predictions, I was like Braun's probably going to win. Probably maybe outside chance Miz. Um, I don't. Braun doesn't need this. I think it would have been better to give it to someone on SmackDown. Uh, to me, like, Braun should be the number one contender, like, who's beat Braun recently. So he should just already have a title match. There's no reason for him to even be in Money in the Bank. Um, so from that standpoint, I disliked it. But from, the you know, the actual match itself, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it, the, the ending with Kofi just, like, on Braun's back as Braun's tossing people off the ladder was pretty pretty great. I actually, I really hoped that Kofi would have, if Kofi would have won the match that way, 
and then you went with a run with a new day. I think that would have been a lot of fun and kind of a breath of fresh air into. I don't think it would have made Braun look bad either. He like got duped. He was going to win, but the guy jumped on his back. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it would have made him look bad. I don't know. I just, you know, the other thing is like, where was the rest of the new day to help their boy? (laughs) I don't know, man. It's a no DQ match. Think, uh, Freebird rules, man. It's just, there's less story involved. If if you have if you have um, the Miz win it, then what Miz goes and cashes it in, you know, against AJ, gets the title, Daniel Bryan versus the Miz for the title. That feud even becomes more sparkly, if you will. Uh, Kofi, what we said about them just freebirding it and fucking that'd be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Samoa Joe, him having it, you know, and, and him and AJ being a possibility in the future as a match. I just think that Braun, it's like, why the fuck did you just put it on Braun to begin with? Like, why the hell have we waited this long? What the hell is the title on the guy that can't make it, like, this much? He's not going to be on some summer slant. Like, ugh, don't get me started. We have a lot to cover. Uh, all right, Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's title. Um, match was a little bit clunky. Uh, I think that both ladies, it was impressive to show Rousey uh, and her strength. I think that Ronda Rousey is great at selling. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Dave Metzler uh, said the same exact thing. So if you guys think I'm crazy, then he's crazy too. And he gives five stars and shit. But no, seriously, like there's parts where I really thought she got legitimately hurt. Like when she did that roll out of the ring, I thought she just like lost balance. But I think that, I think she just gets it. Uh, she's not as good on the mic. I love what she did at the beginning of Raw. I thought that was awesome. Very Stone Cold-esque, if you will. Um, And I think she handled herself fine. I think that Nia kind of was a little bit sloppy. The ending with Alexa, I know, pissed off a lot of people. Guys, I'm sorry. I like Nia Jax. She had her title. Alexa is top heel. I wish that they weren't booking Carmella exactly the fucking same way. But I actually like that because this means that Ronda Rousey and Alexa, I think it's going to be a good feud. Because Alexa might not be the greatest in the ring, but she's amazing on the mic, and she can probably get Ronda a little bit better in that regard. I don't know. How'd you feel about the match, Chris? You know, I thought it was a good showing for Ronda Rousey overall. Uh, obviously, she had some spots there where she was looks a little green. Um, in the, as far as in the ring goes, you can definitely tell that she's still she's still working on stuff, but she gets it. Like I feel like she does really get what wrestling is about, and she's actually trying, like trying hard. This isn't just her going through the motions. Um, she doesn't have the best in-ring opponent with Nia Jax. I don't dislike Nia Jax at this point, but they're like, as I've said in the past, some of the stuff that she does in general scares me a little bit. Um, I would be more interested to see, you know, Ronda versus Ember, Ember Moon or someone that she could really work with that could kind of help her in a way, uh, similar to like, you know, when Sting was young with Ric Flair. I feel like that that's kind of the opponent they need to get Ronda to. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Alexa Bliss. It's just that the that feud's going to be fine. It's more of just the size disadvantage for Alexa Bliss and the fact that you want to build Ronda Rousey as this complete fucking monster makes me think that Bliss might drop the title before we ever get that match, um, honestly. But uh, it was it made sense from a booking standpoint to have a no contest with Bliss cashing in. And I think it was like the third or fourth quickest cash in of all time. So that was, you know, it was a fun moment. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE title in a last man standing match. I had mixed feelings about this match. Part of me wants to say this is the best match they've had in the WWE, at least. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 10 or 11, one of those. Check out that match, badass match. Um, part of me wants to say this match was really boring uh, at first. It, it got good at the end. Um, but I think that we're done with this feud. I think they kind of dropped the ball with Shinsuke. You know, yeah, they can give him the U.S. title from Jeff Hardy and stuff like that, and it's all dandy, but, you know, I think that both, coincidentally, both the Japanese talent of him and Asuka have not been treated as as, as, as I hoped, honestly, and I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way, especially with Asuka, but we'll get to that. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, this match, hard-hitting, uh, good towards the end, especially when they got outside and they were doing stuff off the table. Uh, definitely enjoyed just everything that 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 last uh, styles. Um, what is it called? The, the elbow thing, the forearm uh, through the table. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a good match. I don't know how the fuck these guys weren't able to pull off an amazing legendary match. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm rambling. What do you think? I actually thought this was probably their best match. I think the only thing that hindered it was the fact that it's a last man standing match, which in turn is just a slower style match in general. Um, so at points it, it seemed like it was kind of slow. Uh, but overall, like a lot of the spots, the styles clash off the stairs was incredibly scary, but awesome at the same time. Uh, there was a lot of things I liked about the match itself. I do think this was the best match they had. Uh, Props to WWE for letting these guys actually go more than 25 minutes, and I think it showed. I Seriously. think they gave them the wrong format to do it in, um, but I do think this is the best match they had. It's interesting to see what they're going to do with Nakamura, and I'm assuming maybe Styles versus Joe next or Styles versus Brian now that Brian's out of the cast feud. So I'm assuming they're going to – I don't know what they're going to lean into. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch SmackDown last night, so – I. I don't know if they've started setting anything up. I know that, well, I, you know. It's uh, it's going to be Rusev. They had an awesome, the, the last gauntlet match was about an hour because, of course, they give the men's gauntlet match a little better than the women's, whatever. But either way, they had a great gauntlet match at the end. Dan O'Brien started. He beat uh, Big E. Him and, him and Big E had a really back and forth for a while. He ended up beating him. Samoa Joe came out, beat the crap out of Dan O'Brien. At one point, was beating him so bad on the outside, he had counted out, so he eliminated himself. Dan O'Brien's, like, still out of it. He pissed off earlier his his past, I don't know what they're going to do with this, past fellow uh, Wyatt members, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Rowan and um, the, the Bludgeon Brothers. So they came out, gave him their finisher. He's in the middle of the ring. Miz comes out, smiling like giant shitting grin, comes in, gives him the, gives him the uh, whatchamacallit, the, his, his main move, eliminates Brian, goes against Rusev. Rusev beats him. Rusev's going against uh, uh, AJ Styles for the title. Okay, no, that makes sense. I, I mean, I don't, I don't see Rusev winning the title, but yeah, I, no. I, I was thinking more of the next feud. I guess out of this, you get maybe you get Daniel Bryan versus Miz. I could see that, or Joe versus Bryan. Um, which Joe Either versus awesome. you know Bryan would be I, either of those feuds would be awesome. So yeah, like I said, I, I did this SmackDown. So anyways, moving on. That's that's all cool stuff. And to me, if that's leading to an AJ Styles match, then any of those three guys we just named would be very entertaining in a program with AJ Styles. And I do know Nakamura is, yeah, it, uh, you know, 
is going to be feuding against AJ Styles, or not AJ Styles, but uh, Jeff Hardy from what I saw. So. Yeah, and Jeff's got the uh, the face paint. Actually, SmackDown and a lot of parts of Raw were really, really good. Definitely, uh, if you guys didn't get a chance to watch it out there, check it out. We've got to keep on going. Carmella versus Asuka for the title. Uh, Carmella's going on the mic. She made money on the mic, but she's garbage in the ring. Uh, here's the thing. Audiences are not going to believe that Asuka is selling these injuries because Carmella's the one giving it to them, and it's fucking Asuka! Why the hell is she selling the whole entire damn time? God damn it. At the end of it, um, I like the James Ellsworth part, and if you had her, I, I, I don't know if you just didn't go over it with her the right way, why was she selling like she was freaked out? Like, she should have been like, who the fuck is this, and gone up, grabbed off his mask, it's him, Carmella does something from behind, I, I don't know what the hell was that, there was, there was way too much weight at the end, it was really weird, the only cool thing about it is that fucking Ellsworth is back, because he's money, I'm just kidding, but um, yeah, just awful, uh, what you do with Oscar, uh, Chris? What do you? Think? I thought this was a very bad match, and I think the fans completely agreed when they just started just chanting CM Punk like midway through the motherfucker. Like it wasn't a good match. Carmella, she tries really hard, but she, she just everything seems like you're playing a bad video game with Carmella, where like you're hitting the buttons, but it the moves aren't coming out right or crisp. They always look super delayed. <laughs> And she's like not having a good match with Oscar. Yeah, like she—if she's not having a good match with Oscar, then she's not going to have a good match with anyone on the card. So hopefully they get the title off of her soon. I do think it's cool that Ellsworth is back with her because I think it gives her—it'll take away a little bit of what I consider some of her more annoying traits. Uh, she can be overly vocal in the ring sometimes, uh, and sometimes her mic skills are—I eh, think. Her, her playing off Ellsworth was the best version of her, so we'll we'll see. But yeah, just overall, I'm not a huge Carmella fan. I think at the level to be the women's champion, I, I just don't think that in ring she's there yet. Um, especially when you know you have Becky Lynch and Naomi on the sideline, who I think are way better. It's Charlotte, Oscar, like the female roster on SmackDown right. is really good. So yeah. All right, so we got Roman Reigns, Jinder Mahal. This actually, guys, if you turned off the volume, I swear to God, because I did at one point, the match wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't anything special. It was probably like a raw match. Jinder wasn't that bad in it. Roman definitely wasn't that bad. But my God, Chicago fucking hated it. CM Punk chance. At one point, they were doing, let's go Cena. Cena sucks. <laughs> in the fucking match. Um, I don't lie to you. Velveteen Dream. Um, there was so many wonderful chants throughout this. They're over. Roman, I don't know what the hell's going on. It looks like he's about to have a few with Bobby Lashley, which I think they could both do a lot of great stuff with. But get him out of the fucking title picture. He's just toxic. It's not even his fault. It's WWE's fault towards him. But it just did a disservice. People are cheering for gender in the fucking match. For gender! Chris, how'd you feel? I thought the crowd was hilarious. I thought the match was okay. Um, Gender Mahal yelling at the crowd, I'm the show, you pay attention, and then them just chanting, let's go beach ball, just proves, like, don't acknowledge the crowd. Like, if the crowd is already shitting on your match, maybe don't bring attention to it further. Like, there was in this match chance at one point towards the end. Um, God, man, this thing was rough. Rusev Day, this is awful chance. This uh, is awful. My yeah. favorite was Athena. Let's go, Cena. Cena sucks. 
But Jeff Peters not even here. That's amazing. I think it, I think it was just I think that was just a, a shot at them trying to make Roman Reigns the next Cena. Is my only guess. Like I don't know, but the fans definitely were not. I feel into so match. bad for Roman, man. God. Uh, well, he makes enough money. I don't know. Anyways, all right, let's keep on going. Yeah. Women's Money in the Bank match: Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, Shaw Flair, Natalia, Naomi. Becky Lynch, Lana, Amber Moon. Amber Moon was the MVP in this match. She was fucking awesome in it. And uh, Sasha Banks' doctor was the other MVP. My God, did she get thrown around like a rag doll? I really thought, and, you know, it's fine. Alexa had a big pop, and I kind of liked that too. But I really thought Becky Lynch was going to win. Obviously, I got that one wrong. Chris, what do you think really quickly? I actually thought the match was pretty decent. Um, out, the the only criticism I would have is there was a lot of sections of the match where they got to the ladder too fast and then basically had the WWE, like, 2K18 try to get the minigame to work while they waited for someone to interfere. <laughs> they were just standing yeah. there for a long time. Yeah. So, outside of that, yeah. That's like a, you know, I, it was It was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, the payoff for Alexa Bliss winning was was pretty good. Yeah, the payoff was good. All right, Seth Rollins versus Elias for the IC belt. Um, I was surprised, man. Like, I, I like Dolph Ziggler. I get they're doing something with him and Drew McIntyre. Elias is really hot right now. Like, given the belt, if you're going to try to get it off the set to get him to other things, which is what I'm assuming you're doing. But uh, Seth Rollins, Elias, it's a pretty good match. I mean, Seth is a fucking maniac, but Elias actually did really well, too. I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't anything special. Seth Rollins won the match, retained the title. Chris, what do you think? Elias is one of these weird wrestlers that works really well when he's against a good opponent. Um, like, yep. I thought he had a really good match against Cena, and I thought he had a really, really good match against Seth. I think those have been his two best matches, but he's definitely believable. He's got a good gimmick, and overall, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was uh, one of the better matches of the night if you take out the men's Money in the Bank match. And... I thought maybe this match, if they were to give it a little bit longer, may have even been better than the Shinsuke uh, AJ Styles match, just because of the last man standing stipulation. Yeah, I agree. I love the We Are Scumbags chant that was uh, said loudly at the beginning of it for Elias. <laughs> Something about Elias, man. He's a, he's, he rocks it on the mic, just completely naturally. Uh, Sami Zayn versus Bobby Lashley. <laughs> all right, that's all I got for it. Chris, what do you think about this match? Match was absolutely trash. It makes a little bit more sense with the finish, the fact that there it was a blow-off because they have to get Sami Zayn off screen because he's injured. So from that standpoint, I'm a little more fine with it, but I fucking hated the ending where Lashley just basically pinned him with one hand. Like, uh, just It seemed like a burial at the time, but I guess it made sense because Sami Zayn's hurt. So we'll see how Sami Zayn comes back from it. Yeah, I think also putting Lashley with Roman potentially could be really good because you can put either one of them heels and probably do them better. Um, and, you know, they're both – there's some guys that could bring out something out of each other. I don't know. Anyways, Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass. Uh, Big Cass, best match, single, then he got fired. <laughs> uh, thank God Daniel Bryan – potentially, if this is like getting towards the end of him with WWE, if he doesn't re-sign – Getting some fucking good feuds, for Christ's sakes. We just wasted on Big Cast a little bit. You know, I was giving the benefit of the doubt, but um, good match. Like I said, whatever. Uh, move on with Daniel Bryan. What do you think, Chris? 
Well, you know, I'm actually glad that not I'm glad that Big Cass got fired, but I'm glad the feud's over. And based on what you just told me, I'm assuming it's going to be Samoa Joe or The Miz, which both of those feuds sound way more interesting than what I thought they were going to do, which would be Big Cass attached Daniel Bryan and they do one more match, which I'm really glad that that's not the case. So Bryan versus Joe or Bryan versus Miz, really looking forward to it. I think this is one of Big Cass's better matches, probably his best one since the was it the four-way match for the Universal title with Seth Rollins, Kevin yep. Owens, Big Cass, and uh, God, why can't I remember? Roman Reigns, I believe. Um, probably his best match since then. So, uh, yeah. All right, and also, just to let you guys know, the Good Brothers uh, lost to the Bludgeon Brothers. Such a pretty good match, and they had a really good uh, sequel on Raw, but they had a great match. We're not going to see more of that, but good stuff. Uh, yeah, that was the WWE's uh, pay-per-view uh, with TakeOver and then, obviously, Money in the Bank. So, we had a great show tonight. Um, WWE had some great matches, you know, um, a lot of fun, and uh, really enjoyed, uh, you know, hanging out with you guys and talking wrestling. Uh, we got a new interview uh, from Dundell's page uh, over on our YouTube station, and you can find it on here, too. Definitely check it out if you get a chance. I sent a bunch of questions to his assistant. His assistant asked him. Uh, really, really cool dude. We're going to try to do a follow-up interview in person, possibly, in the future. Uh, check us out on all of our various, um, you know, things, if you will, on Twitter, Geekside Nation. We've got our new website coming out soon. It's going to feature everything. Definitely check us out on Twitter, Facebook, all that type of stuff. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Every week, you know, it's me and Chris. Just talking wrestling. So uh, thank you guys so much. Chris, thank the, the people out there. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. And, uh, yeah, let the Geek Vibes be with you. The kids do dig that sucker. Peace out.